0: hello everyone welcome to the cinephile hissy fit podcast the tirade filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics two cool dads and two struggling teachers i'm Dan Shanahan. i'm will johnson we're new and we're damn glad to have you we hope you've got your judge's scorecard folks this is all for tantrum's sake where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, recommended by my host, Will Johnson. Our format is this, the recommended lover goes first. They get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. The hater follows with five in- uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterparts with any manner of unintellectual scorched earth. After that, we open up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. Folks, I hope you like your Quentin Tarantino. I hope you like Will. I hope you like me. But we're up for the cinephile hissy fit. Will, how you doing, man?
1: I don't like you, but that's just a different story. Um. Oh, wait, what was that? oh hi thank well, yeah, you yes i'm know, great it's kind of a different story recording. there
0: a little bit but yeah <laughs> that's
1: uh yeah oh, uh, that, i yeah. am uh...
0: hopefully we're recording and you're going there no
1: i'm doing great thanks for asking Well, for those, those who don't know well. us uh, i will... hope you're doing well
0: i for those who don't know us will johnson and i are two film critics on 25 well 25 years later site.com. will has been there much longer than me and is a senior fantastic editor and contributor there i'm only two years in and trying my best just to you know fly the rotten tomatoes flag where i can just to help the site out a little bit but i'm having a blast being on 25 Well. that's where the two of us met and we're doing our best to kind of put something together we argue a lot and we've gotten to the point on social media where like you know what we should argue on a microphone and see how this all turns out so that's what brings us here to cinephile hissy fit well, how do you feel about all this will
1: i feel great i um am very excited uh, i've i've been like uh a- I don't know. I guess fitting with the film we're going to be talking about today, I've been kind of a character actor of podcasts. I've been invited on many. I've never been the host and never been the star of them. Uh, oh, so um, so it's kind of cool to like, you know, have my own podcast. Um, and uh, for those who want to have a little peek behind the curtain, you know. I mean, it's really tough. I mean, I've done everything. Uh, just absolutely everything. Donna's done nothing. And uh, we just—you guys wouldn't yeah, you wouldn't be here without me. So that's really kind of where we're at. True, um, true. So just you know, just think about that and, and appreciate just me, really.
0: Yep, T- to the Will Johnson. God gives all the credit, absolutely. Right, you know, finding the logo, <laughs> getting the notes, starting the ZenCast room, figuring out Discord. I, you're you're right. I couldn't do this. I couldn't tie my shoes without you, Will. And we're not even married.
1: It's pretty shocking. Uh, but, you know, we, we, uh, it's just the things I sacrifice for the love of, of cinema.
0: I know. I know. But for now, the gloves are off, and we're going to tell who's right and who's wrong. It's Cinephile Hissy Fit. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino from a couple years back. Will, you are the lover of this film. I'm not exactly a full hater, but I can't go to the level you do. Are you ready for your five uninterrupted minutes to shower this film with praise?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, are we going to do we have a, uh, I think for the audience out there, do we have a timer? Um, do I a, do. We have like a Time. special timer. When you
0: start talking, for this? we got a five minute timer over here on my side. I'll hit the bell when it's the end of your five. We'll kind of re rack here a little bit. Uh, the hater myself will then go next just to kind of talk his talk, refute, and then we'll open it up for back and forth. Sound good, man? Sounds great. All right. All right. Five so, minutes, three. All right. Two.
1: One. a fun time in Hollywood. Um, Now, so you guys, just so you guys know, I'm not really a huge Tarantino guy. Uh, And I think maybe that's why I love this film so much is because I went into it expecting something. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, When the the movie was announced and it was going to be about the uh, Manson murders, you know, with um, Sharon Tate. So uh, I, I was a little skeptical because I we know we know Tarantino's um, propensity for violence, and this seemed like um, I think with something like Django Unchained, um, the brutality of it kind of fit. It kind of makes someone like me, who's a white person, feel very uncomfortable because that's a that's a part of our history of which is a um, permanent guilt that we have to live with the Mm -hmm. sins of our fathers. Um, it kind of made sense, but the Sharon Tate murders and kind of Tarantino's love of kind of throwback retro stuff. It kind of seemed like it was in bad taste. So I really went into it with a pessimistic eye. So, and I think everybody knows when you go to see a movie, um, your expectations have a big part to play, uh, on what you're going to see. Um, you know, uh, recently I, I, I saw Nomad Nomadland, um, a lot of hype behind it when I finally saw it. That kind of colored my review of it. I'll have to rewatch it, that kind of thing. So it works the opposite way as well. So when I saw this movie, I was in love with it because it really was a love note to um, when uh, Hollywood was changing. Um, and it kind of plays, the, the what I love the most about it with the screenplay and... Um, it does, first of all, it doesn't feel like Tarantino's showing off, which is great. This is just him uh, hooking up an Ethernet cord directly into his brain of trivia knowledge of things that basically we haven't thought about in decades and just purely downloading that for the audience. And um, instead of Sharon Tate being a tragedy, this is where the fairy tale component comes in, it kind of shows that with the end of one era... There Could have been the birth of another, you know, with this new wave of Hollywood coming in, and um, and I, I just personally love that. I love that we have kind of this aging actor, um, who's falling out of favor. He's falling like his, his natural talents, which for his time was excellent, are falling out of favor. You know, we have Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, and then you kind of have Brad Pitt, who's kind of like his hanger on, like gopher kind of guy, um, stunt double that's you know it's going to kind of go with wherever, wherever uh, Leonardo DiCaprio goes. Um, you know, they're basically coming to an impasse and I, I, find it a beautiful story of not only capturing, it does two things, right. It captures the history of Hollywood um, uh, perfectly to a T um, it's, it's sure. It's a little glorified. Like any, any Hollywood love story truly is, and, you know, most Hollywood loves to pat itself on the back, but um It's surprisingly for a Tarantino film, not a pessimistic movie. It's very optimistic. And that's why I love it. Um, That um, really, even though maybe this actor, um, Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is out of his element and being aged out of the industry, he still has that passion. He still has that desire to be. Something more than he is and that's uh that's a great thing to see um like i said expectations played a big factor into this but I, I one of the criticisms of the film is that it is um too much of a hangout movie um you know basically you got brad pitt as cliff booth uh driving around for like 45 minutes you know just uh hitting on random um uh you know manson chicks and uh just passing by, you know, uh, period-specific Taco Bells and such, and it can seem a little indulgent. But I think that we, what we're what's going on with film these days is there's kind of a tendency to forget about where we came from. Um, I was kind of thinking this recently as I was watching the films of Anna Biller, who films in thirty-five mm that you know, everything's digital now. Uh, if you can't find something, you can just fill it in the background with a computer. I know I'm over generalizing that, but there just seems to be,
0: Oh man, this is hard. Oh no, no, no. Hey, f- finish your thought. I'm with you. Bonus time for sure. First day, first Bonus episode, time. go for it. Oh, well, okay, no, finish your thought. I'll get to my five. Then we'll hop in together. What? No problem, man. No, finish your thought. Go for it. Okay. Uh,
1: I was just going to say, yeah, that uh, we need to kind of have um, a respect for our past. And that's why the the very optimistic look at what Hollywood was, what it became from one of the most, whether you consider him a brilliant voice, uh, he's at least an important mm-hmm. voice in current day cinema. Um, having that optimistic tone and having that respect for the past makes the film um, just so worth watching. And there's just so many more things I could go on about, but I only have a five t- five minute plus a little extra time. It's like soccer in Europe, a little extra time right. before, after the, uh, 90 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I will, I will surrender to your opinion now.
0: Sure. You bet. No, no, no. I, I, fair is fair. We'll open our five. Then that's the fun part. We get to go. But you do only get together. five
1: minutes. You don't get any extra time. I,
0: I will not give it. I, I won't need extra minutes. I'm good to go. No, for me, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I respect Quentin Tarantino and what he does for cinema and all that, and um, I I'm right down there with you with the fairy tale aspect. I think all Quentin Tarantino movies, to some degree, are a fairy tale for sure because he he loves to take this kind of made up story, usually designed to mislead you, and have a little fun with it in his kind of like you said, hardwired to his brain in a very dark and un you know unreal beauty, uh, perfection, luck, and happiness. Like he he loves to throw those. Those character challenges into his movies, and I respect him for all that. And I think every single one of his movies is is just a pervasive twist on some kind of fairy tale. They're just more crass, more extreme, more violent than the stuff we put in front of kids. And not that a Quentin Tarantino movie ever needs to be in front of kids, but for me, I like all that on on, on its face value. I like the idea that you can maybe kind of tell a little bit of a Hollywood legend with Sharon Tate, that you can kind of have a hilarious duo with Rick Dalton and, uh, and, and oh gosh, I'm going to forget the character's name already as well. But between Brad Pitt and Leo, you have this, Cliff this Booth. buddy movie, so Cliff Booth, that's where we're going. But uh, no, for me, it's, he has a his, his one, his strength is there because his, of his creativity for homage and the tight the idea to kind of put the, the fancy, the zeal, and the style—all that is great Tarantino stuff. And like you said, toned down from some of the more racial and controversial places he had been doing in the last couple of movies. Where he still kills me, though, is is length and pacing. You know, he his brand of chatty and meandering excessiveness is something that just wears thin on me. I, 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 I don't get me wrong; he has the gift of gab. Uh, His movies have great conversations, whether you're talking about tipping and reservoir dogs or $5 milkshakes and Pulp Fiction. But those things used to be done in a tighter way in his older movies. And from about hateful eight on, he just can't stop talking, like get on with it already. You know, like this is, he is a professional man about beating around the bush to the point where he can do gardening and landscaping anywhere in the Hollywood Hills. And that's where he loses me is it's when it gets too casual, when it takes forever to get from one place to another. Where, don't get me wrong, the coolness of Cliff riding around in a car, the coolness of 19 you know, 60s radio and all that, all that is is nice choice production values. I don't need minutes upon minutes of it. Fine film, interesting places where great performances and in the small little moments of dalliances, they're great. Like, I love the scene with, with Leonardo DiCaprio and the young little girl actress. Like that, That's great. Do I need then to then go see him hit the set for a full 12-minute scene? Nah, trim it up a little bit. That's my thing with Quentin, is that he can get a little high in his own supply, where all the style is great, all the smarts is great, all the wit is there, but he just gets to a place where he just cannot stop himself. And I wish, I wish he could just hire an editor and not just the editor for his movies and scenes where you know reining in the pacing and finding the marks that he can do there when the when the film is completed and we're trying to chop that thing up into a movie i wish he can hire an editor at the scripting stage don't get me wrong the man has the pedigree he has won his oscars for for writing and i, I and i dig that but it just gets excessive it just goes on and on and the chatty cathiness just can be a little much great example of a good version is the bruce lee scene that scene comes in, comes out, has its gag, has its laugh. You're done four or five minutes, not too bad. Then you get to the, you know, the uh, the compound with Bruce Stern and a young Dakota Fanning and all that. And I don't mind the buildup of the tension. I don't mind some of the stuff that goes there, but it just, you know, it it just drags. So for me, it's I like the scene. I like where the movie can goes. I don't need two hours and 45 minutes of it. You can trim that down to 215, even two, and you still get a great tight movie. I know a lot of people get mad about like, was there enough Sharon Tate? And was there enough Margot Robbie? Or because we're going for the fairy tale thing, like they were kind of offended by the ending and like, you know, just the revisionist history part. That's par for the course for Tarantino. No problem there. And, for me, I'll circle this all back in my last 30 seconds to the idea that you kind of brought up with expectations. I'm one of those guys, and you'll learn about this from me when we do our show, and the more we talk and the more we kind of share with the audience, I'm not an expectations guy. I I table them as much as I can. I don't watch trailers. I look at a I look at a plot summary and a blurb, and I'm like, I'm in. Let's go. So everything was wholly unpredictable for me going into that movie, especially the revisionist history ending. And as much as it feels kind of excessive, it's also still feels fun. But it by the time you finally get to that big release and that big pop-off, I'm exhausted from the two hours and 40 minutes of the movie that came before it. Right on the timer, look at that. Whoa, what a pro. Pro. Wow, pro. It's because I'm watching the clock too. It helps. Oh, see,
1: I, I don't so have the benefit of that. Uh
0: I, I can't so I can't say that I like hate it, hate it. It's the thing the other thing you'll learn about me is I'm not a masterpiece guy. Everyone wants to call things instant masterpieces every two seconds when the the thing gets finished and reviewed. I'm one of those guys that you only get a masterpiece like when you're dead and your career is over and they reevaluate everything you do and go, that's the one that's your best. I'm one of those, you only get one in your career things. Maybe you get more than one if you've typified a genre or done something else. But So for all those folks out there that go to Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and call it a masterpiece, I'm like, whoa, 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 too far. He's done better. And he's done more with less in other places. So, yeah, uh, that's, five disagree, that's five for you. That's five for me. Back and forth. I, yeah. What do you? How, tell me more. Okay.
1: So I'm going to address the editing issue first. Um, basically, uh, from the beginning of uh, Tarantino's career, like as a filmmaker, I believe from Reservoir Dogs on. Um, he uh, he had kind of a right hand woman as an editor, um, Sally Menke. Um, uh, she okay. was yeah. the e- she was she was the editor in Reservoir Dogs. Um, she uh, Pulp Fiction, um, Four Rooms, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Glorious Bastards. You know she was she was there for all of yeah, this man. major stuff. And yeah, um,
0: see that's that's the Tarantino died. I love the tight composed stuff. Yeah
1: unfortunately she died in 2010 and you know we don't want to just relegate sally menke just to this like you know she was this editor and wasn't a human but you know it it's like you said as soon as uh, as soon as he started making films after her passing there was an there was this tendency to kind of go on and on um mm-hmm. i have major issues with um Hateful Eight, myself. I think it's a film that's yeah. completely up its own ass. Uh, I it's agree. In lo- it's in love with itself. Um,
0: oh yeah, right there with you.
1: Yeah. So, and that comes in with the expectations. I know you're not an expectations guy, um,
0: but I try not to be. I try. Yeah.
1: But it's it's hard when you have a director that has such a cultural imprint. Like when you hear, "Here's the Agreed. new Tarantino film," you can't help but think of the prior work um and Mm -hmm. that's why my expectations uh were different because i'm not a huge tarantino fan i like pulp fiction i like reservoir dogs i like inglorious bastards i don't love these films like a lot of people do Mm -hmm. i I, jackie brown is fine i but yeah i don't i'm not in love with them i'm not like part of the Tarantino hive, you know? So, yeah,
0: yeah. Me neither. Me neither.
1: Yeah. So this is, I went, but in, I respect,
0: but I'm with you. Of... I respect his work and, and all that going to it. And once you bring the stars that you bring into this movie, I'm with you. I'm, I, I was hooked. I was in.
1: Yeah. and You know, I don't want to feed into the cult of celebrity or anything, mm-hmm. but I do think there is something. If somebody can capture it, Richard Linklater has done it in the past. Um, other yeah. filmmakers have done in the past if you can really capture a day in the life of someone uh, I'm thinking like dazed and confused where nothing right. really happens but you're so like you're it's almost like you're into flying the journey along. yeah you're into the journey right
0: right link is a great example for that totally agree
1: yeah the, the, once my time in Hollywood was that for me like I the okay. minute they get in the car and start driving I was like I want to spend like my whole
0: life with these guys you know it just it felt so, so, so personal so in this position length isn't an issue you wanted almost more like oh i could i guess yeah. you know what i i admit i can be that same guy here i'll give you a counter example of something where i want to be in that same world but in a different place where i wish the other parts of the story would go away my example would uh, kind of like a counter example situation would be the will ferrell mark Wahlberg movie the other guys okay where I could give a shit about the case they try to solve and the villains out there. My favorite 15 minutes in movies when they're busting each other's balls in the office at the desk, you know, <laughs> I want two hours of a skit of just them trying to get through paperwork. I could care less if they're chasing Samuel L or the rock. Like that's the two hours I would spend. And honestly, I, 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 you know what? I find myself agreeing with this part of you. I could spend two hours in the car just shooting the shit with, you know, Cl- with Cliff and, uh, and Rick totally. You know, I, I don't, maybe I don't need Sharon Tate. Maybe I don't need the Manson stuff. Maybe I don't even need the show. I just need those two guys hanging out and having whiskey sours. If it was just that, yeah, I'm in to give me two hours and 45 minutes of all this other superfluous stuff. That's where it loses me.
1: Yeah, I get you. I get you. I, I can totally see that, yeah. that problem. I, I think that, yeah, for me, length is all a matter of perspective. Like for instance, true. You recently just watched the Zack Snyder cut. I haven't had the time yet, and I don't know if I want to have the time yet to watch a four-hour cut of a film. However, fair enough. Uh, it, it may just depending on how it grabs you. You sometimes you want more. Mm-hmm. You know that's and that's that's true. You, you know, so it, it all depends on. So if you're not into it from the beginning, like you said, I know that you said you like the shoot the shit stuff, but it does seem mm-hmm. like maybe you're looking for you're looking for a plot. Like you're looking for more they're there. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Like, like, and that's, and, but the hard thing is like expectations aside, that's, that's kind of Quentin Tarantino. He, you know, he's these collections of he's these collections of happenstance. He brings these ideas together. Cause even, I mean, my favorite of his is Jackie Brown, but second favorite, of course, is Pulp Fiction. So when you look at Pulp Fiction, you have these, these dangling little lives that kind of all have their own little rotations and gravities that bump into each other and hit in, bombastic ways with Pulp Fiction. And with Jackie Brown, it feels a little more coordinated. And I, and I like Jackie Brown the most because that's something Quentin didn't write. Or at least like that comes from Elmore Leonard first and then Quentin second, where it's just, he still had a little bit of a boundary to distill. And that helped for me. Because when you just leave the chatty Kathy Quentin to himself, it, you get all that. You get all that dangling and and then it's uneven. An example for uneven for me is like Death Proof. Like, I don't need 35 minutes of girls bitching and moaning at whatever diner they're at until <laughs> Kurt Russell brings them on a ride of their lives. I'll take the ride of their lives for 45 minutes, call it the best short film in the whole wide world, and I can cut out all the bitching and moaning at a diner. I got all the bitching and moaning at a diner back in Reservoir Dogs. So I could, yeah. And, like, if you if you dangle, you know, the, the initial bar meetup that they have and then you get to the big chase at the end, like, I, I didn't need – like. He just chooses things that sometimes match, sometimes don't. And that, and that's him just having fun. That's him letting his actors have fun. And I dig that. But it just has... I don't know. It, it's... it's. I, I haven't seen like the... I, and this is a good thing. I haven't seen the best of Tarantino yet. Put it all together as perfect as can be where all the characterization and the freedom he gives his actors all of a sudden match with this dynamite, perfect, engaging story and it all fits in perfect. Maybe the closest is oh man, I don't know. Maybe Inglorious Bastards, but then you still have your revisionist history and curveballs, but you have this great villain, you have this fun hero, you have all these fun little takes and all the style still there too. I don't know. It's just tough. Yeah, I can't call yeah. this movie a masterpiece, that's for sure. I, a lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's the best thing Quentin Tarantino has ever done." I'm like, "Get out of here, no way."
1: This is why I think it's the best thing he's ever done.
0: Um, oh, let's hear it! I gotta hear. It. Because, Give me the cemented answer of why is this the best? <laughs> I gotta hear this.
1: Okay, so we write for twenty five years later. Uh, at the time of the uh, the end of twenty nineteen, uh, I was tasked mm-hmm. with writing like a best films of the year article, um, and I did that. And I initially placed uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at number nine out of the top 10 of the year. Okay. Um, that year, our local cinemas uh, put on a like best picture festival, you know, of all the films non- nominated for best picture. Right. And I went and saw it uh, on the big screen for the first time. I had only seen it when it came out on VOD. Seeing it on the big screen, I was like, okay, I'm moving this up to number five now. <laughs> and the more I sat on it, the more I thought about it, the more, like mm-hmm. i thought about it every day of my life like i literally don't go a day without thinking about that film the more it just How grows into um just grows into masterpieceness for me um
0: ooh i dig
1: that i dig cause that cuz i just i literally think about this film every day and i yeah. i i don't know what it is i don't know i what...
0: know we got to get you we got to get you a life a girlfriend or a job man come on yeah, well, come on
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, maybe because we're teachers, you know, we need that uh-huh. escape, and I'd rather drive in the car for. Um, I hear you. You know, for three hours, or somebody like I said, I could go for a five-hour cut of this film. I wouldn't care, as long as I'm with the. I, I would
0: take. Yeah, I would. I as much as I'm bemoaning length over here, I would take a five-minute cut of this instead of a five-hour roadshow cut of once a, of uh hateful eight. I'm I'm there with you. If you have to give me five hours of something, I'll take this one. I'm with you there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I um also I want to give a shout out uh because uh, it, like you mentioned uh, I don't have a girlfriend um so um ooh, so I have to ladies so, so I'm going to make an appeal here. There was a very uh-huh. small casted role, uh Quentin Tarantino, and I and this is why I applaud him for his uh, for his brilliance in this movie. But there was uh, a character called Abigail Folger. Um, She was heiress to the Folger coffee people. She was one of the victims of the Manson family in real life. Um, Obviously she survives in this film version, but she is played by uh, Samantha Robinson, who was the lead actress in the film, the love witch any of you have seen it um i have yeah yeah she oh i think she's probably the most beautiful woman i've ever seen in my life so the fact that i get to spend even just a short two minutes with her in this film Mm -hmm. is is a gift that keeps on giving so thank you quentin tarantino for giving me more samantha robinson content
0: i can't argue with that (laughs) she she's stone cold fox man good call good call (laughs) no um from there on out like yeah like I I can't bemoan I can't bemoan the production value and the style like to have diegetic music the way they do to let these actors drive and like you know keep those different parts and parts and pieces moving and let those actors have fun all that's well and good like it's just places I could still trim like I could do without Al Pacino I know you get Al Pacino Oh my god movie. what I but that scene is I, I'm not, it's 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 one unnecessary scene when you can do the whole Rick down in his luck stuff, and you can do the Italian film montage just to mm-hmm. kind of show the crap stage of his career. But all all that can be done a whole lot shorter than oh it does. Oh my God, that's, Night, my, favorite again, that's my favorite scene. That's my
1: favorite scene. Is the movie. it? Oh yes.
0: come on. First of all, my favorite Pachita. scene, like I said, my I, I get it, I get it, but I I no, my favorite scene is him and the girl, him and the, him and the girl actress when you when they're. Comparing craft and they're breaking each other down a little bit, and you see the real Rick come through. Like, oh man, like that—that's just my my fallacies as an sure. actor and all that. And do not give,
1: give you that. That, yeah. that is a fantastic. Uh, uh,
0: I mean, don't get me wrong, Pacino. Yeah, don't get me wrong, Pacino's choice. He's had he. I don't want to come. Well, no, this is cinephile history fit. The man's a has been. I'm just going to say it right now. Al Pacino is Whoa! a has been, and he, he's he's slumming. Oh, okay. He he, he, he okay. at this stage. Now, don't get me wrong. He's doing better work. He's doing better work on television than he is doing on movies right now. When he does his Phil Spector thing, when he does his HBO movies, when he's doing Joe Paterno, that's when he's inspired by material. This is a glorified cameo for a paycheck, and it's a don't get me wrong. We've it's a dream casting scenario to have him there. I could do without it. Trim that. Let's get on to the, the set. Let's get oh, yeah, Cliff in got... there with Bruce Lee. Let's get Leo to talk to the girl. Let's get to the western and go. I I don't need Al to have a you know a pina colada with me at a bar. Cool, unnecessary. That's all.
1: No, N- no. Ah,
0: uh, yeah.
1: but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I hear you. Now, this is the great thing about 2019. Yes, 20, 2019 mm-hmm. will forever give us the first, the first time in Al Pacino's epic career that he worked with Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino, and he did it in the same year. And to oh, me, don't his even character
0: in The Irishman. Oh.
1: I, yeah, we have issues with the Irishman. I, I understand that. And we're, we're not going to have an episode about oh, that. Do we have
0: shared I issues? In... I I dislike it. How are you at? Okay.
1: Now, it's funny oh, that see, we don't have to find I about had that once. One. See, I, I I had Once Upon a Time going up in my life on, on lists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Irishman was originally number 10, and now I wouldn't even consider it a best film of 2019. Yeah. Um, it, it goes it, down. It,
0: it, not even in my me. top 20. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it goes down for me over time.
0: Um, See, here on the first episode of the show, I have found a redeeming quality about you in your mild (laughs) treatment of the Irishman because everyone else thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, it's got a criterion spine. It's it's this moonlight stage of a gangster. Please, it's a hospice bedtime story. That's all it is. (laughs) But we're digressing in the last minute of our 15 minutes of back and forth. Yes, yes. Will, you um... are the lover Will you are the lover? I defer the last minute to you. Hit it, man.
1: Well, I, it was an interesting first episode to do because we're actually not too far off on it. I think that we our, no, our main so. disagreements are in are in this the style of it, like what the choices sure. were in the editing process. I think that we both like the film. We both like the idea of the film. We like scenes in the film.
0: So but really, you're we're not having a masterpiece that. shelf. I'm hanging on the hall of very good.
1: No, no, and that and that's totally fine. Um, okay, okay, I, but we're not having a hissy fit about it, which is weird because that's no. what our show is called. But you, you uh, drummed sure up this episodes. whole
0: thing that I must hate the movie. I'm I'm here answering your challenge, my man.
1: Yes, but that's usually be because called, when be you called. send me a chat or a message, I usually don't read it and ignore it. So I, you probably said you love the film, and I just ignored you eh. because I don't I don't pay attention to you
0: at all there it is that's our 15 minutes Uh, hopefully hopefully you folks got a place where you can see where will's coming from on once upon a time in hollywood hopefully you can see where i'm coming from once upon a time in hollywood we may put this up on a twitter poll of who gave the better argument but in the meantime that's just where we've been Will. other than that how'd you feel for a first episode
1: uh great i hope we actually got it because i i know that uh I don't know how to do anything, uh, technologically. Uh, so <laughs> but hold on, it could be hold that I just talked to myself. did you set this whole thing
0: up? Come on, man. You didn't uh, well, set this whole thing up?
1: Obviously, I did. Uh, All right. Well, you know. But, yeah. Um, hey,
0: fake it till you, you make it, man. Fake it till you make it. Yes. How about the outro for you? You got the notes up?
1: Yeah, let's do the outro. I, okay. So, everybody, follow us on Twitter at, at CinephileFits. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook by looking up, uh, I believe it's uh, just Cinephile it Hissyfits. Cinephile
0: fits. Hissyfits. Um, yes, sir. We
1: are. We have. Po- we are going to post a poll, matching this episode for you listeners to weigh in on who you think made the most compelling argument. Me to win this Cinephile Hissyfits. Me. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Uh, cinephile hissy fits is a 25 yl media podcast brought to you by ruminationsradionetwork.com please visit rate review and subscribe even if you hate don and love me still love the show it doesn't matter yes please if you enjoyed the show we have more we have more where that came from with interesting hosts and wonderful guests samantha robinson please fingers crossed all available on mm. itunes spotify okay. and anywhere you find your favorite shows
0: Will man thanks for this first spin i love where this is going cool awesome hey this is charlie triple c from brevity box a new and interesting podcast
1: from the ruminations radio network if you're a fan of podcasts we have a lot of great
0: content to offer Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com.